Please take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. I've titled the message, Elijah's Incredibly Strong Faith, But Only for a Time. First Kings chapter 18, we're going to read in verse 17. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send, and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves, four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods and I will call upon them and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us! But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud! For he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, 
and that thou hast turned back, and thou, thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, that as I bring forth this message, that, Lord, it would be your message. And, Lord, the things that you've shown me in this passage, I'd be able to bring forth to the people here today, Lord, and that we'd be able to walk out with something that you've given all of us today. Lord, I pray you fill me with your spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Elijah is a prophet that is fairly familiar to all of us. And we know of the miracles that God used him to perform such as the barrel of meal and the cruise of oil that never failed, reviving the child back to life. But perhaps the greatest one that we all know about is what happened on Mount Carmel, when the prophets of Baal were defeated in what I guess you could call a God-versus-God battle. Now, the background of the story is that the king of Israel, Ahab, was an extremely wicked king. In fact, let's quickly turn over to 1 Kings verses chapter 16 and just read verses 30 to 33 to get an idea of who Ahab was. The Bible says, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. They took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ephbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. So you see, the Bible describes Ahab as the most wicked king that Israel had ever had. And because of Ahab's wickedness and the allowing of worship of Baal into Israel, God brought uh, Elijah to prophesy and say that there's not going to be rain until the next time that God would say there would be. And that turned out to be for three and a half years that there would be no rain or dew on the land of Israel. And this passage we're looking at today picks up at the end of those three and a half years. And the things that I've found here in Elijah's life, I want to take a look at because they apply to Christian life. And the first thing I want to look at is Elijah's strength and faith in God. The first thing we see is his faith in God's presence. So we see that he called everyone together for for worship and to challenge the prophets of Baal. And we see that he allows the prophets of Baal to go first to get their bullocks set up, to get their altar ready, and to try to call upon the Baal to have him bring down fire to light their their uh, sacrifice. You can tell that that uh, Elijah was patient and there was no wavering in his faith. He waited all day as Baal's prophets called upon Baal to answer the call. Yet he knew that at the end of it all, God would still be there. And he allowed the prophets of Baal to go first and take most of the day so that the children of Israel could see that there was absolutely no hope in Baal, nor could he answer their prayers. And for us today, there's absolutely no hope in any other place than in Jesus Christ. And we have to realize that and take that seriously. Let's look at verse 27 just to see some things when the prophets of Baal were worshipping that Elijah said about Baal. Verse 27 says, And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, 
Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. Now, Elijah knew that Baal wasn't a God, but he wanted to convince the prophets of Baal to keep trying to try harder and harder so that the people of Israel could see that no matter how hard the prophets of Baal tried, they weren't going to get an answer. And they said earlier, so that the people of Israel could realize there's absolutely no hope in Baal. He says, perhaps he's sleeping or on a journey and he, you guys just need to get his attention. And we see that they, they even cut themselves and they screamed and hollered for Baal, yet nothing happened. And what a blessing as Christians it is to know that Anytime, anywhere, we can get on our knees and say, Dear Heavenly Father, and we know He's listening. What, what a blessing that is to know that God always hears our prayers. So we see His faith in God's presence. We also see Elijah's faith in God's power. We see that Elijah had so much faith in God that he got the people to pour buckets and buckets of water upon the sacrifice. And he made sure that the sacrifice in the area around it was completely soaked, knowing that God still had the power to consume a soggy fire. I don't know about you guys, but if, have you ever tried to start a fire with a bunch of soggy wood? It doesn't catch a flame. It won't light on fire. You need dry wood in order for a fire to happen. But Elijah did this to prove God's power to the people. And so that Israel could see the power that they were missing out on. For years they had been worshipping Baal and trying to get Baal to have, take care of them, provide for them. And Elijah said, here, let me, I'm going to show you something that you're missing out on. And I'm going to get all this stuff soaked so you can see the amazing power that my God has. The amazing power that the God you're supposed to be serving has. And we also see that, as a going, going back to the part about he knew God was going to be there, that as soon as his prayer was ended, that God answered immediately and sent forth and brought down the fire. And it blows my mind. It amazes me at just to the, the showing of God's power here. And we read in verse 38, it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And just the amazing power of God. And just to imagine to have been there too. Be one of the children of Israel on Mount Carmel and to see the fire of God come down and consume everything around that sacrifice would have been amazing. And we see here that they were, they, people fell down and worshiped and said, the Lord, He is the God. And we see this great victory that God allowed to happen in Elijah's life. But now we're going to jump down to chapter 19 and we're going to see that Elijah had a weakness. We're going to look at verses 1 to 4. The Bible says, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. We see in these verses how after such a great victory, 
Elijah is on the run for his life from Jezebel. He just recently saw God literally obliterate his sacrifice. He just slew all the prophets of Baal. And he saw God answer right after this and send rain upon Israel. He saw all these things that God did, not to mention all the miracles beforehand with the providing of the cruise of oil and allowing him to raise the child back to life. And God showed all these things in his life. And then Jezebel comes and says, Hey, I'm coming for you, Elijah. And he runs. And I don't know about you, but how can you have such a great victory over hundreds and see this great, awesome power of God just before your eyes and get threatened and immediately forget all about that stuff and flee? I want you to notice in verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 2, how she threatened him. It says, Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She threatened him with her gods. The gods he just barely proved were false and didn't even exist. And she says, The gods do to me more, do to me, if not to you, what you just did to all the prophets. And he doesn't take the time to think about she just threatened me, who saw the power of God with her gods, who obviously never showed up. And he never took the time to think about that. And, and he ran instead. And perhaps unbeknownst to Elijah, after this great victory, he somewhat had perhaps put his guard down. You know, in military strategy, there's a reason that there are reinforcements And that is to ensure that the front lines always stay strong. After a great battle, the warriors that were at the, the soldiers that were at the front lines would need those reinforcements to help defend in case of another attack. As these soldiers that had already been fighting would perhaps be a bit weak and, and less vigilant right after a battle. And more than likely, Elijah was physically and spiritually tired, causing him to be not as vigilant as he should be. I also want you to notice what Elijah says at the end of verse 4 in chapter 19. He says, It's enough. It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. He claims that he's no better than his father's. That he, he didn't do anything. Yet we see all the things in the Bible that God used him to do, but yet he forgot about those. We also see in chapter 19 and verse 10, when God confronts him in the cave, he says, and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Now we know that God tells them later that there is other people that he had that were still only worshiping God. But we saw this great victory that happened and how the children of Israel turned back to, to God. But yet when Elijah flees, he says that the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I'm the only one left, and now they're seeking my life too. And the fact of the matter is that it wasn't they. It was just a Jezebel that was chasing him. It was just Jezebel that wanted to take his life. And it's a great reminder that when we start to put our guard down and we get our focus off of God, that 
things often seem a lot worse than they really are. Because when we have God on our side, there's nothing impossible. God says that He was always going to take care of us. That He's always going to see us through when we are continuing to follow and trust Him. But when we get our focus off of God, we see all the troubles and they're a lot bigger than they actually are. So we've seen Elijah's strength and how he knew God was always going to be there. and He knew God had the power. But we also see his weakness in that he wasn't careful and being vigilant after a great victory and he ended up running. (coughs) So let's look at a few things in God's Word that can help us ensure that after a great victory we don't end up like Elijah. The first thing we must do is keep our faith strong. Psalms chapter 1, verse 2 to 3 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. As it says in Psalm 1, we must daily meditate upon the, and in the word of God to remain strong. And we see the results of this in verse 2, where God promises to make us strong. And the strength only comes if we continue in fellowship with Him. You know, if that tree wasn't continually by the waters of the river and it didn't get that proper water that it needed, it would end up drying up and dying. And just as Christians today, we need that proper nutrients from the Word of God and from spending time in prayer with Him in order to stay strong as well. As the quote says, seven days without God makes one weak. And that's spelled W-E-A-K. And it's very true. I've been in times in my life where I've gone, I've gone to times without reading God's Word and something felt off. It, I, I, felt, I felt weak. I did, I missed that, could feel that there was something missing. And it wasn't until I got back into God's Word that I was like, oh, this is good. This is what I needed. This, this is what I've been missing this whole time. This is why it's so good and important to stay in God's Word. So take the time to meet with God daily to ensure that you'll have strength for what you need. I also encourage you to remember that God is always there and He has always more than enough power to answer. Just like Elijah was fine with waiting all day because he knew that God would still be there, he knew that God still had power and we too must have strength in God that Elijah did. But let's not be like Elijah after a great victory. Instead, let's remain vigilant. As we see in Elijah's life, he had just had a major victory. He defeated all of Baal's prophets and got the people to turn back to God. But then he ran from Jezebel. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 warns us of this. It says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And we too must be most vigilant after victory. Because that is when we will put our guard down the most. And that is also when the devil will put, oh, sometimes attack us the hardest. Sometimes the devil allows us to have those little victories in hopes that we'll say, hey, the Lord provided this victory. Woohoo! And then we'll put our guards down and he's waiting right there to attack us again and even harder sometimes. And we have to be very careful. And we also must ensure that to remain victory, victorious, we must always keep our guard up, as I said. And to run to Christ continually for that renewed strength. And as we continue to read through 1 Kings, we see that Elijah was used more for God. But we also always remember about this time when 
he saw a great victory in his life and there was this bit of a falter there. And I encourage you today to not let that be part of your story. Perhaps people will be able to look back on your life and say, hey, you know what? This person faithfully served God. This person faithfully trusted in God. And you can see them trusting in God throughout their entire life. And we don't want that to say they trusted in God in every part of their life, but there was this one section where they didn't. And what a testimony it is in our lives if people can look at our lives and say, hey, this person trusted God throughout their entire lives and it's a testimony to me and I want my life to be like that as well. So let's have a word of prayer.